Brother Ricky has been one of the great blessings of my life to meet during this season, and I'm going to let him then introduce Pastor D.S. Jackson afterward. But during this conference, which is a blessing for me, I hope you guys are enjoying it, you get to be around some of the greatest men of God in the country. And so we're so thankful that they're here. Brother Jordan got to read for me yesterday. That was amazing. I wasn't too hard on you, right, brother? I'm good? Okay, we still friends? Okay. But I just want him to testify, then introduce uh, DS. And, they, and, and you know, when I hand it to him, it's going to be like testify, preach, okay? So, brother, just do it as long as you want, and I'll adjust my message after that. Amen. Give it up for Brother Ricky. Bless the Lord. Give it up for your apostle. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, he, never, he never testifies to be an apostle, but he's doing the work of an apostle. I just... Uh, to me, and, and what I see in my eyes, he is an apostle without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, there should not be no argument about that at all, uh, sincerely, because he's building. He's building not of natural building, but he's building souls. And that's what's important. That's the kingdom. Come on, give yourselves a hand praise. My God, my God. My God, you are sincerely uh, family to me. You, you guys really, really encouraged me because whether you knew it or not, as I was traveling last year, meeting you guys for the first time last year, you guys really, really encouraged me because I've never seen any ministry in any body of believers that are so kingdom-minded, that are so kingdom-minded. You can't find this type of ministry in just anywhere. I'm just being honest with you. You, you, you got to treasure the gift that you have. You know, there's too many people that live in this life and they have blessings in their life and they don't honor those blessings and they don't cherish those blessings and they only worry about those blessings when they're snatched away. You know, some people don't love their wives until their wives are gone. Some people don't love their husbands until their, wives, until their husbands are gone. Um, love what you have here because this is precious, sincerely. Um, um, and I come out of a, a place where it was a lot of witchcraft, a lot of mind control, a lot of Lordism, and you don't have lords here. You have kingdom-minded individuals here. And you know the Bible says obey them that have a rule over you for the watch for your souls. For if they have to do it grievously, it's not profitable for you. Um, so just remember that. As you're going on in life, always remember that we're yoked together. This is one of the reasons why I have this on my hand. Now, this, is, this looks like handcuffs almost like, but you know these are weights right here, right? <laughs> And um, some of you guys know that I, I practice boxing. I, I do boxing as a trade. It's, it's one of my things I love to do. And um, the Lord used boxing to kind of help tame me when I was a kid. I was frustrated. I was aggravated. I even had an angry spirit when I was young um, because my, uh, you know, my mother was in the military. She did the best she could. Um, but my dad was strung out on crack. And, and because of that, a lot of things was being put in my life, being molested at eight years old, by, another, by a babysitter, um, a guy named Sean used to beat me, hang me upside down with one leg, beat me, throw me up against walls, made me um, do six inches. If y'all know what that is in military, you put your feet six inches up, up from the floor, and you don't touch the ground. And you're there for, I mean, I was there maybe for hours. But if my, heat hit, my, my feet hit that ground, the man took a belt, smacked me in my face. It didn't matter where it landed. So I, I said that to say because of the failure of my father being a father the way he was supposed to be, someone else tried to step in and be a father. Um, and and his, his idea of being a father was abuse. And so, um, and that, um, how many of you know that the devil takes advantage of weakness? 
He, he, he doesn't care nothing about you being strong. Or he doesn't care nothing about that. He, he's, he's somewhat of a coward. When you're weak, he takes advantage of your weakness. That's, that's what he does. He pounces on you. That, that's why when a child is molested, they have a harder time in life because the devil stays on them and torment them. And so uh, I was tormented as a young kid, not ever seeing any ministry like this. I didn't see people preaching on the streets. I wish I did. But what I saw was a bunch of religious people. Everybody going to church, clapping hands, praising the Lord, rolling on the floor, and then go outside and start smoking and cussing and playing cards. Same repetitious thing every day, becoming callous to God, becoming callous to the spirit, being completely severed, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And so all the kids in the church were just following suit as the parents was having sex with one another openly. The kids was having sex with one another. So all we had was just religion. We didn't really have God, but we follow suit. And so all of that just multiplied on me, all of that. So um, eventually the Lord gave my dad wisdom. Though I love my dad, my dad still loved me, even though he was strung out on crack. He still loved me, but he was strung out on crack. And your, your mind is altered in those things. Um, but the Lord, I believe the Lord put it on his heart to put me in boxing because I was destructive. Uh, I know I had a devil because I would black out. And I would do things that I didn't remember. I'm here to tell you, if you're in here and you, have, you don't have control of your body, if you have lost control of yourself, then something else is in control. If you can't control yourself, something else is in control of you. And I, I was out of control. Blackout. I, I, sometimes I will remember I would run my head through walls. I would, I would headbutt concrete. I was a knucklehead for real. I had a headbutt hung. I had knots on my head. I was just, because I, I didn't know what to do. I, I was in the, in the world without God, but wanting God. And therefore, there was nobody to be that example about God. Sincerely, kingdom business. So I was under that yoke in bondage. I was held down under the yoke of sin. And the devil took advantage of that, beating people up, become a product of my environment, toting pistols, knocking folks out for no reason. That was me. You couldn't tell right now, but that's what I used to do. I was foolish, destructive, headed to hell. But there was, it seemed to not be anybody there to tell me that I was worth anything. There was only people saying, you're just like your daddy. You're going to be just like your daddy. So I'm saying, I started off with that for now because, you know, how many of you know that the Lord says, matter of fact, in Matthew, was it Matthew, the 11th chapter, the 28th verse, he said, my yoke, 20, or sorry, 29th verse, he said, my yoke, it is easy, my burden is light. His yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Now, when we come from our sins, from the lifestyle of our sins, because of what the devil and what people have done, he takes away that weight of sin, death, and hell. You all know that because you're in here. <laughs> he takes away that sin, death, and hell. But how many of you know that you're still under a yoke, but that yoke is for your benefit and not for your hurt? 
That yoke is for your benefit. That yoke is for your good. That yoke is, yoke is for your strengthening. His yoke, he said, my burden is light. My e- but the yoke is easier or my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, it, again, if you're here and you're yoked down with sin, the Bible tells you to lay aside every sin and wait that so easily beset you and run for the race where you are called. Run, 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 run. So I, I, I wear this, and this is to help me speed up and help, help me get stronger. I walk around to get used to this weight. This is why I wear this, because I'm going to be doing a lot of punches, right? So as a, as a fighter, we, that's what we do. We punch, we fight the good fight. You know what I mean? Not really your faith, but it's a more physical fight, right? So, um, but what, I, what the Lord has allowed me to do is translate that in the spirit. Now we're not fighting physically uh, among people, but our warfare is not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, as I was standing here and I was listening to the worship, and man, this is some fantastic worship here. You got some fantastic worship leaders, man. Good God. Y'all some singers. Good Lord. Y'all do some good worship in here. Uh, <laughs> real good worship in here. And that was one of my prayers when I came here uh, this weekend was, Lord, I want to worship. Take me into a deeper worship in you. Um, because a lot of people that have been around are not really in the worship. They're just really bland. Um, but, but the Lord began to deal with me. I, ha- I thought I had a, something to say, but the Lord began to really deal with me about this. As an evangelist, as I've been evangelizing in the earth, um, for, or at least in America for a while, at least for seven years, I come across to a lot of things and a lot of evangelists and a lot of individuals. And, and I've actually gone through a couple of things as well where the Lord had to straighten me and correct me. I, I want to uh, give us somewhat of a warning to everyone that, of you that are evangelizing. Be careful that you don't become callous. The Lord began to deal with me about that. Be careful not to become callous. If you don't know what callous is, it's, it's similar as a, as a uh, carpenter or laborer that's working in the field and he's working with the tool and he's beating the tool, beating the hammer. And he's always taking a hammer and he builds up this real thick skin in his hand. At first it hurts, but after a while it would just get real thicker and thicker. But it has this benefit. Now you can labor. It, it helps you to labor real effectively without being hurt, right? You, you won't hurt yourself. You know, that callous is, has a good thing. You won't hurt yourself, but you can hurt somebody else. You may not be able to feel the effects of your labor, but somebody else does. So there are things, as the Lord has warned me and showed me, that you've got to be callous in certain things, but you must be sensitive to others. You must be sensitive. Remember in like manner how Jesus came in the earth. He didn't come as a real strong authority figure. That's what the Jews wanted him to come. They wanted him to come as a king. They wanted to come here and rule as a rod of iron. They knew scripture, but they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the one who was written about. Because he didn't come the way that they expected him to come, they rejected him. But he came lowly at heart. He came with a broken heart for them who are broken. I want you to think about this. As he came into the world, he was hurt for the hurt. He weeps with them that were weeping. 
He was with the sinners. We understand that the whole world was in sin. The whole world. He's the Savior. But we also have to walk in the same manner that he didn't come to kill or destroy or mock the unbelieving or hurt the unbelieving. He understood they were unbelieving. He understood they needed a Savior. But he came to shine a light in their darkened mind. Shine a light that they can see the love that surpasses every understanding they can ever have. Now, we know God is not just love. He's a judge as well. But as far as we, we have to walk in the fullness of love, not being callous. I've met so many ministers that everything that they said was just condemned. Now, that's not here, but I just met so many ministers. Everything they come, it's, it's without the spirit of God. And sometimes we that labor and we're so used to people attacking us, especially supposed to be Christians, attacking us, speaking evil things, coming up just uh, just even just blaspheming our name, scourging us. I've had I have other believers who are supposed to be laborers have gone on social media and told my name up for had no reason that there are protocols to the body of Christ that we still must follow. And the only reason why we don't follow those protocols is because we are becoming callous. We're saying, okay, because of social media, I can do whatever I want to do because this is my social media. But remember that you've been bought with a price. Social media may be yours, but you're God's. Social media may be yours. All the platforms may be yours, but you belong to God. God has a way for us to walk. And us to preach and us to teach. And we have to make sure that we are not being callous. So the Lord began to deal with me and say, hey, where is the intercessor? There are intercessors here. But where is the intercessor that are weeping? Where are the intercessors that are, their heart are broken for the loss? Where are them that are really grieved where are you that are really grieved at mothers that are taking care of their children by themselves? Where, where are the intercessors that are really, you're really compassionate? Because we can't work. Yeah, we got work. We got labor. But we can't do it. We can't do it haphazardly. We can't do it without heart. We can't do it without actually being broken. Because the Lord was broken for us. He was crushed for us. That's the reason why he came, because he came to uh, please God, to bruise his son for us. So as we are laboring, okay, for, for, for God I live and for God I die. But will you die for the brethren? Or do we separate ourselves from believers because of little stuff and trivial stuff? Are you really ready to give your life? Because the saints, the earlier Christians, did give their life. It didn't written in the scriptures that so many mothers delivered their sons up from the dead, crying but not giving up the Lord Jesus. Did this thing, I think that many ministers, not again, not here, because I see much love and much grace here. But again, I just feel in the spirit that we have to be mindful to not get into a place of callousness. Let your heart be broken 
So that way you can be much more effective in reaching the person that's lost. Even in their ignorance, even in their hatred towards you. Because while they hate you and while you are being affectionate towards them later on, you don't know what that might do to them. We don't want our labor to be in vain. Our purpose is, yes, to do the will of God, but also to love our neighbor as we love ourselves and also love our brethren, which I know is here. Good God. Love our brethren. The Lord says, I give you a new behold. I give into you a new commandment to love one another as I have loved you. That's something I know that's here. I feel that here every time I come here. I know it's here, but we can also grow in those things more and more deeper and deeper. And the Lord knows your heart. He knows whether you're doing it out of obligation. He knows whether you're doing it because everybody else is doing it. He knows that whether you're doing it because you want to be seen. He knows whether you have been practicing sin and secretly and then you're coming out here want to look like and play the part. He knows whether if you've been backsliding in heart, you've been watching pornography in your room and then when everybody's calling you out to go out to go preach, then you're going out running out them with them with dirt on your hands. He knows you if you've been sleeping with somebody, you're not married with them, yet you're putting on a facade, now you're on social media and you're preaching. He knows that. Our God is not hidden from God. The, the one that we have to be real with first is the Lord Jesus. You can't be real with nobody else unless you're real with him first. And then being real with yourself. And then being real in, in your walk. Please, I'm pleading with every one of us, every one of you saints, please don't become callous. Be sincere in your heart and your outreach in the Lord. Be sincere. Have in your mind that this person is lost. They don't know what they're doing. I remember Stephen. Some people call him Stephen. Some people call him Stephen. Whatever, choose one, pick one. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when he were being stoned to death, what did he say? Lord, lay this not to their charge. It, would that be in you? Or would you say, God curse you? Think about that. Just think about that. There was a man, we went out laboring, my, bro, my brother TJ and other brothers that was with us was out with us last night. But the, the night before, there was this man who come, I knew he was woofing. He was just, he just, he came up pulling his real tight shorts and with high socks right here, real tight shorts. It was all ripped up like this. And he came up and said, what you say? He said, blank you. I'll beat you up. I'll punch you in your face. I said, man, you ain't finna do nothing. You ain't finna do nothing. Because anybody that got that much talk ain't finna do nothing. You ain't gonna be. You ain't, you ain't gonna do nothing. No, no. He was just wolfing at the mouth, and, and and then and then he pulled up his sleeve and said, "Look, I'm a Christian. I serve the real Christian God." I said, "You a lie, and the devil's a lie. And that's the wrong Jesus. You over here cussing us out." But but I also had to remind myself this man is lost, and possibly full. Of, he was definitely full of the devil. There are plenty of Christians that are full of the devil. So I would say, as I'm getting ready to pass this mic, and I appreciate all of you. I, I love you guys for being here this weekend, man. I really love you guys, sincerely. Uh, and I'm yoked with you, believe it or not. I'm yoked with you. You are my family. Uh, but I had to remind myself.
that this man may be full of the devil. And there are many of us who profess to know God, but with our works we deny him secretly or, or just in our hearts. And you cannot love God without loving your neighbor. Love is an action. You know that. God loved the world that he did what? He sent his son. He did an action. And then the son came and he chose 12 disciples. And then what did he do with them? Sent them. And in the letter of, of Paul, he said, look, find faithful men that you can teach. And they will teach others. So when we're, as we're learning, as we're knowing in the Lord and we know scripture, just make sure that Jesus is supposed to be living on the inside of us and our hearts should be broken with him for people. Amen. 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 Uh, uh, God bless you. I appreciate the time. I wanted to introduce you, my, my friend and my brother, my co-laborer and team rescue, D.S. Jackson. This is my brother. Please give him a hand praise. Pastor D.S. Jackson over Harvest Time Church. Amen. Now, uh, when I first met this brother, I said, man, you short. Now, I'm short. I'm short, but I said, brother, you short. But, but he's tall in the spirit, though. And, and I... And, and, and then I can't really talk too much because then we got the Lord yoked uh, Jordan McLeod, gargantuan over there, us together. And he's like eight foot tall. Praise the Lord for Jordan, too. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. So glad to be here today. Let's give God another hand if we would. <laughs> Glory to God. So glad to be here with Pastor Joe and Pastor Nancy and all of the family and all of the crew. So Blessed to be here on today, so grateful. Someone said, oh, it's good to see you here. I said, I was not going to miss this. Everything was working for me not to get here, but I got here. I have never on my own said, okay, I'm going to just rent a car and drive up there waiting. You know, I wouldn't drive in my truck. That's too much gas. So, <laughs> so let me get a little gas-efficient hybrid or something and drive it on up there. I, I don't normally go over three hours. I fly the rest of the way. <laughs> so, but I said, I'm driving. I'm driving all the way to Chicago. And I'm gonna, I, I got off work and went to the rental car uh, to the airport and started driving. So um, I thank God for being able to be here because this is something special to us. Uh, as uh, my brother Ricky was saying, um, just last night uh, after we had ministered, he was just speaking I could tell when the Spirit of God is upon him, and he's in awe of the Lord, and he was just as in awe of the Spirit of God and, and the connection that we have with this ministry. We were just in awe and just thanking God for the, for the connection, and he was speaking about how, man, we could just do this. this. We could do this all of our life, you know, this kind of work, and I'd really thank God for ministries that can inspire that kind of awe because it comes from God. And I thank God for you all. I thank God for you all. I actually have something that's really brief that um, um, Thursday, Thursday evening, I was uh, doing some work and the Spirit of God began to minister to me. And I mean, began to just remind me of things I didn't even know I remembered. Um, and he just, he said, you remember this? You remember that? He said, and you remember this? And I was like, oh, God, I forgot about that. 
he was just bringing back things from when I was a child. You know how you forget things that happened when you were a child and you're like, uh, somebody brings it up and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Well, he was doing that and he was <laughs> reminding me of several things and he said, he translated all of this once he got through reminding me of all these things and said, when you get to MPI, and I had no idea it was going to have something that was going to be for MPI. He said, when you get there, he said, I want you to let them know that the children are special indeed to me. That these children are extremely special to me. Every child that's connected with this ministry is special to me. He said, I have something that I'm going to do through these children. While Ricky was, um, uh, my brother Ricky was standing here and um, uh, sharing the word of God and his testimony, and he began to talk about some things from his childhood, and I said, God, I need something from your word that helps me to understand why you're saying this. And he gave me Matthew chapter 10. It doesn't seem like this is going to apply. Verse 21, and I won't use it out of context, I promise you that. I'm, I believe in the word of God being in the context of those that were writing it at the time of the giving of the scriptures. So as these Jewish disciples of Jesus Christ were receiving these words from Jesus himself, he told them in Matthew chapter 10, verse 21, Now brother will deliver up brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you who will be hated, and you will be hated by all my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. That last part right there is what the Lord began to help me to understand. He says, I want MPI to get out ahead of the next wave of what is about to hit this nation. And he said, and my strategy is emphasize your attention upon the children. Emphasize your attention upon the children. Bind the heart of Christ to their hearts. Get them to the place where they trust you. Wherever there is something that you have through pride or ignorance or whatever it is, what you didn't get, what you didn't have in your life, and so you're allowing another hole, another deficiency to grow in that child's life, get rid of that. And do what you do now because he says the children are special to me. They're still, you're stewards of them. Have good stewardship of them. Because he says, I want you to get out ahead of them. Because Satan has desired to take the hearts of the children and to take it away from everything that you love about God. He says, there's another wave, another shake that's about to go on in this nation and the world. There's another shaking. We've, all, we've seen one. There's another shaking that's about to happen. And I'm afraid there may, may be one more, but what is shaking is it's shaking out the worst 
but it's not coming out. It's coming to surface out of many people who are called by the name of Christ. And this is what the Lord gave to me to say for the children. He sa I said, why the children? Why, why are you uh, speaking to me about the children? And, and, and someone came over to me. They thought uh, I was having some trouble. <laughs> they saw tears in my eyes. They saw my mouth moving. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was speaking to the Lord. I forgot about the other persons that might, might see me. So they came over, you okay? <laughs> I'm like, like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. It was a conversation happening, and I just kind of got carried away with it. But the, I asked the Lord, why, why these children? Why are you speaking in specific? He said, because this man and this woman of God are walking in the standard that I have set for the church. And because of that, there is a target on their back. There's a target on this ministry. And he said, for that matter, these children are extremely special to me. He says, because the devil's strategy, as Jesus exposed right here, is that the devil wants to take the hearts of the children away from the parent. He wants to take it away from you. And he says, now brother will deliver up brother to death. Other churches are going to begin to deliver up other churches during that time. And that time is coming upon us. We already feel the ground shaking because of the shaking that's about to get that much stronger. Don't let what's happening with the false science and the, uh, the pseudo uh, uh, health care plans and all of these things that they're saying they're trying to look out for you in this day and time. Don't get caught up about what you hear with those things there. Pay attention to the word of God that's coming forth from this house. Stop running here and running there. Don't eat from every table. Recognize what you're eating is what you are. You are what you eat. Like the old little song used to say, from your head down to your feet. But it's from the inside out. You are what you eat. Be very careful in this hour. And I'm telling you again, he said, because these children are extremely special to me. He says, you better invest in them, what I have given them, and I'm giving it in this house. So please, and that was a strong word when I heard better. I'm like, oh my God, better, I'm gonna have to say it. He said, you better, okay? <laughs> have I said it enough because the what? The children are what? Special to him. So he said, the reason I did that with you is because he said from an early age, I, be, I was speaking to you. That was the things he was reminding me, things he showed me, and the uh, privileges I had of my dad living in the spirit before me. My mom being caught reading her Bible and talking to God. I walk in on her She's reading the Bible. As busy as she was, I, I never figured out how could she have time to be all in the scriptures like she was and is. She's still here with us. And my dad went on to be with the Lord, and I actually held him when he went on to be with the Lord. I, he was so small, his body was small, 
but the Lord told me before I came back into the area, he told me that I'm going to, I'm going to do something special between you and your father. He said, and before some things are going to happen, then he gave me a vision that shook me and I could not come out of it for a whole night. I went to church. I didn't want to be a nuisance. So I went and sat in the back because I couldn't stop crying. He showed me a vision that was in three parts. I won't go through it right now. And he showed me in that time how uh, something was about to occur with my dad. But he said, but I have him. He's going to be okay. He said, I want you to make sure that no one gets in his ear and mess up what I'm about to share with him. He said, don't let others come and falsely prophesy to him. And I said, I don't know how to stop that, but I'll do everything I can. I want you to know, Metro Church, we heard about this great church uh, through a couple different um, means of the sources. In New Orleans, Pastor Choi, I always make mention of him, told me, you're going to meet a pastor there. And he said, and you're going to know what I'm talking about, that you're going to be connected with them. And I said, okay, sir, looking forward to it. And I got here to Metro, and exactly what he said, the Spirit confirmed. Bevelyn came to me, and she said, what you think about Pastor Joe? <laughs> and I said, Bevelyn, he's the real deal. She said, I knew you would see it. <laughs> Amen. So I thank God for you. Amen. Brother, I want you to pray for us because uh, tears in my eyes as you were speaking about that, I've had that in my heart as well. Um, I was watching my children one time play in the backyard, and I was doing my prayer talk, and I looked out there, and I felt the Lord say, show them heaven on earth here because there's going to come a time where all they see is hell. Yes. Show them heaven. Show them the love of a father. Show them the peace and the blessing that yes. comes from my presence because I'm going to send them out yes. to a world that doesn't love them, doesn't care about them. Yes. And so if you're next to your children or you yourself are a child, 18 or under, would you stand up as a parent or as a teenager, 18 or under? We're going to have you pray for all of us, yes. the parents with their children. And then if you're a teenager here, you're 18 or under. It's not hard to think about teenagers. If you're 18 or under, you're standing. And if with your kids, come on, parents, amen. Just get a hold of them. Pray for them as Pastor Diaz prays for us. Brother, would you pray that over this house right now in the name of Jesus? Father, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you for being who you are. You are the supreme Father. And we thank you that it has been your heart's desire that through your crown of creation that children would receive your love through the fathers and through the mothers. We thank you today for this opportunity and this privilege of stewardship of these children. We thank you, Father God, and we count it a privilege, Lord God, that each and every one of them should have the heritage that you have given for them. And Father God, the very thing that you began to speak to me, Lord God, I thank you. I saw us praying for the children, so thank you. Thank you for these children and for what you're investing in them. 
Thank you, Father God, for the investment of your Holy Spirit in their lives. Father God, I thank you that these children can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and that they could be connected with heaven directly with your son, Jesus, where they can know how to distinguish between evil and good and to recognize that their parents are leading them in the way of righteousness. Father God, I pray that every plan of the enemy, as you, Lord Jesus, have exposed those things through your word, I pray, Father God, that we will get out ahead of what the devil has in store for them so that every weapon that has been formed and aimed against them and against this church and because of them that are rightly connected in covenant and active fellowship with this church. Father God, that they will come under the protection, Lord God, that you have made available for this great man and woman of God. Father God, we pray in Jesus' name that you will bless every teenager. Father God, that their hearts will be melted, that, Lord God, their eyes will be purified, their hearts will be cleansed, Lord God, from everything they've been exposed to, the things they've had to see and endure. Father God, we pray that living in a war zone, and many of them are living, Lord God, with spiritual PTSD, but we ask you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will heal their minds and their hearts today and fill them the more with the gift of the Holy Spirit right now, I pray. Father God, I pray that upon these children will come faith to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today. You said in your word that you will pour out your spirit upon sons and daughters and that they will prophesy. We thank you for these prophesying children. Hallelujah for the prophetic upon these children. Thank you for the truth of God in their hearts. Thank you that the word of God is honored in this house. Thank you, Father God, that the fear of the Lord is upon this house. We thank you for them. And we pray for these children. I thank you for this great man and woman of God and the burden, Lord God, that they have accepted, Lord God, to carry, Lord God, not just to this house, but to many all over the nations of the world. Father God, in Jesus' name, I pray everyone that goes will go with the heart that you've given them. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, for these children right now. And I want every one of you to operate in faith right now. Lay your hand over on those children and tell them receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit right now. It's not hard, just open up your life to them. Open up your life to them, no matter what you've done, no matter what has gone on, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've seen, no matter how it may be a struggle at home, no matter who left, receive the healing of grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Receive your innocence back. Take back your childhood today. In Jesus' name, you have freedom in Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Bless these children. Talk to them. Deal with them in their dreams. Show them visions of your glory. Help them, Lord God, to see, Lord God, and honor, Lord God, their parents and parental authorities, these that are this ministry. Let them have an affection for this pastor and his wife. In the name of Jesus, let them be connected. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, for sealing this by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's bless Amen. the Lord, saints. <laughs> thank you, man of God. That was worth the trip right there. We can give that to an usher, please. Thank you. That was worth the trip, and that truck let us bless you with the gas, the, uh, the rental, whatever we have to do to reimburse you, man of God. How many want to sow into Pastor Diaz's life for coming and doing that? 
Amen. I was raised like that. How many already felt like you've had church three times? That's how I was raised in church, to expect the Lord to move, to do something special and to go with the Spirit. And so I want to keep moving with the Spirit. Let's open up to Titus chapter 2. Someone say, the grace of God has appeared. Thank you so much for coming to this conference that Jesus is God. We're honoring him in our testimonies and the words that he speaks to us. We are spiritual people. In our first service, we talked about God manifesting in the flesh from 1 Timothy 3.16, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that if you are interested. And then today, we're learning about the grace of God appearing, which is very much the same understanding. And you're going to learn that the grace of God is a person. So go to uh, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. And we won't keep you too much longer for the sake of that baby. We'll get you home, okay? Amen. We love having our children in the service. Look at what the word of the Lord says to us. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to some people. What does it say? Just the good people? Just those who go to church on Sundays? Just to Christian people? No, it says to all people, right? The salvation that God has brought by the grace of God has appeared to all people. The testimony of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Look at verse 12. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. We're not to say yes to it and call it a reality TV show. We're not to say yes to it and pay doctors so that we can transform our bodies to do it. We're not just to go with whatever feels good in our passions. We are to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, in God-like lives, godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Somebody say, He's our great God and Savior. Amen. That's my Jesus. He's my great God and Savior. And he's not just that for me. He's for all those today who want to say no to ungodliness. He gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Are you eager to do what is good? Amen. Then these are the things you should teach. What are the things we should teach? What we just heard about, that the grace of God has appeared, that the grace of God has told us to say no to ungodliness, that the grace of God has come in the form of Jesus, our great God and Savior, to live upright and God-like lives to be free from all wickedness, pure in our hearts, eager to do good. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm an eager beaver to do good. Come on, I'm an eager beaver to do good. I'm eager. I'm ready. Let's go. Some of you coming to church today, you were eager. Others of you, you had to be woken up a few times or hear your phone go off a few times. But how many came eager? You're, you came eager, Amen. And the Word of God says that it doesn't stop here. It doesn't stop just at a conference. It doesn't stop just at a Sunday service. The eagerness of our hearts should continue to Monday to do what is right on our jobs, with our families, with our friends, in our communities, eager, quick, 
quick not to do evil, but quick to do what is good. When we look at this scripture, we're reminded that Jesus is God. He is the very God that has appeared. Now, to keep teaching you scriptures that you can go back over, even these messages and research, I want to show you the Trinity in Zechariah. Have you ever seen the Trinity in Zechariah? I got an ooh from the pastor there. Maybe he's seen it before. He's excited to go back. Let's go to Zechariah chapter 2. Did you know that you could find the triune nature of God in every book of the Bible if you're looking? Every book of the Bible gives us the understanding of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, all being the one God, the one Yahweh that we worship. Now look at Zechariah chapter 2, starting in verse 10, and see the uniqueness of the conversation here. Now this is God speaking. Shout and be glad, daughter Zion, for I am coming, and I will live among you, declares the Lord. Who says shout and be glad? The Lord says that, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you click on it here in the Hebrew, you see it's Yohevaheh, as we would now pronounce with the vowels, Yahweh. The Lord is saying shout. That's why when I talk to people and, uh, you know, I ask them how they enjoy the service, and sometimes they say, well, it was too much praise, that metro praise. It was too loud for me. I'm not used to all of that. And then I, uh, like, a, like a family member has said that to me before, and I watch them watch the bears or or watch the bulls, it's a lie. They love to shout and be glad or mad, but it's at a sport team. The Bible commands us to shout and be glad here. Amen? We are to be glad that he's coming. Now notice this conversation as he continues on. Many nations will be joined with the Lord in that day and we become my people. We've studied in the book of Revelation that we are a part of those nations. He has made a covenant with Israel through Jesus the Messiah. The Jewish Messiah has now opened the door for all the nations to come. That's fulfilling the promise that God made to Abraham that through him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. How many here today are Jewish. Are there any Jewish people here today? How many are Gentile? Raise your hands and make some noise. Whoop, whoop. So aren't you glad you're being joined as a Boricua? Aren't you glad that you're being joined as a Panay or a Panoy from the Philippines? Aren't you glad that you're being joined as a Paisan if you're from, you know, uh, um, Italy and all of these different places? We're being joined to the Lord. And then look at what it says. I will live among you and you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did you catch it? The Lord is talking. It just says there, the Lord says, be glad. Be happy. I'm coming to you. Who declares this in this verse here? Who is declaring this? The Lord. Now, we know it's Jesus, but please just be patient before we skip ahead. Who's declaring this? The Lord. But then he says, you're going to know that the Lord has sent me to you. Now, do we in the Bible believe in two lords? No, we believe in one Lord, but we believe that three persons can bear the name of Lord, bear the name of Yahweh. So who is being sent by who? The Father is sending the Son. And as I've taught you before in putting a conference together with other messages, it's good to build on those messages. We see that the Lord that is speaking is Jesus. He's the one saying, be happy. I'm coming to you. I'm going to join all these nations to myself. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to live among you. And you're going to know that the Lord has sent me. Now go back to Titus. Isn't this beautiful? Hold your place in, in Zechariah. For us, it's just a tab. For the grace of God has appeared. 
our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, God the Father sent God the Son. Yahweh the Father sent Yahweh the Son. Isn't that exciting? But how many know that Yahweh the Son went back to heaven and he sent us Yahweh the Spirit? So you want to see the Holy Spirit? Because not only is the Father God, Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So go right back to Zechariah. Go right back to Zechariah chapter 3, and now you'll be familiar probably with this passage, but not in the sense of understanding the Trinity. Uh, excuse me, chapter 4 rather, chapter 4 verse 6. Now see the Spirit of God in the triune nature of God from the book of Zechariah. I have been with a, a sassy person on Facebook since uh, we've been promoting this uh, Jesus is God conference, and all they want to do is jump from one passage to the next. They can't stay with one book. They can't stay with one author because they know there they get blown up. They try to bring in other authors' understandings of something into the book that we're reading, and sometimes that can work and sometimes it doesn't. In other words, when it says that the Lord is my shepherd, and then in Peter it says you're all shepherds, does that mean we're all the Lord? Lord. You see, you have to read it within the context, right? In the context of the psalm, Psalm 23, who is the Lord? It's God, right? But when Jesus comes and he says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for my sheep. Now, that's a good connection, isn't it? Now, pastors are shepherds, but we're not Jesus, the good shepherd. So if Jesus says to people, I'm the good shepherd, I lay down my life for you, you're supposed to understand that applies to Psalm 23. But you see, in the world of the cults, they do things that are wacky like that example that I gave. They'll say, oh, well, here's a pastor being called a shepherd. And then over here, you say the Lord is the shepherd. Well, does that mean that pastors are shepherds? I say, no, no, no. I mean that Jesus is the shepherd. Well, why is Jesus different than the pastors? Because Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. No pastor can lay down their life for God's sheep and save their soul. Do you understand the context? So you when you understand the context of Psalm 23... You understand the context of John where Jesus calls himself the good shepherd and then the context of Peter, uh, pastors being called shepherds. You can rightly divide the word of God. But the cultic world does not want to rightly divide the word. They want to try to twist it up. And by them doing that, they deny who Christ is and they cause contradictions. Now, remember, I wanted to show you the spirit of God. But some of you have heard this, but maybe not in the context of the Trinity. We've just learned about the Father and the Son. You, the Lord is declaring that you'll know that the Lord has sent me. So we know that must be the Father and Son. Now look at um, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. So if the Lord Almighty is going to do something by his spirit, is the spirit going to have the same nature as the Lord Almighty? You better believe the Holy Spirit has the same nature as the Lord Almighty. And, and you might say, well, can you show me an example where the spirit is called God in the interworking of the spirit? Yes, go to Acts chapter 5. We see it all throughout the scriptures that when the Spirit does the Lord Almighty's bidding, that is God doing the bidding. The Spirit is God, just like the Father is God, just like the Son is God. How many know this scary situation when the Spirit did some things by his power? Does anybody know this? Anais is 
Sapphira? If you don't, it was a service probably similar to this. These people had made a commitment that if they sold land, they would give all the proceeds to the church. They didn't have to do that, but that was a commitment that they made. But they wanted to hold some back after they saw how much they got. They go, oh, man, maybe the church doesn't need all that. I made this commitment that I'm going to sell that land and give it all to the church, but now that I see how much I got, whoo, let me just hold back a little bit because, you know, Jesus will be fine. Jesus still got bread to eat. Jesus is okay up in heaven. Not understanding that they made that, that promise to the church on behalf of the Lord, and the Lord is going to hold them accountable. So they hold back some of it. Look at chapter 5, verse 3 of Acts. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to who? You, who did they lie to? The Holy Spirit have kept back for yourself some of the money you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before, it was, before you sold it? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? Why did you make or why did you do such a thing? You have not lied to human beings but to Oh, okay, it says I lied to the Holy Spirit, and then here he says I lied to God. Has he changed the subject? No, the Holy Spirit is God, the same one they lied to. Isn't that amazing? And that is the word of the Lord. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of God is God with us, indwelling us, speaking on behalf of the Father and Son, and acting on behalf of the Father and Son. And maybe we'll do just another conference on the Holy Spirit. But go back with me now to Titus chapter 2, our great God and Savior appearing. Titus chapter 2 teaches us in verse 13 that Jesus is our great God and Savior, that we are now waiting for his appearing. How many are waiting for Jesus to appear? Amen. But while we are waiting, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be eager to do good works. Now, if we just follow this on down, as I did in the first service with Timothy, I want to do it with Titus, both letters written by Paul, just to encourage us with the knowledge of who Jesus is, God and Savior, and how we're supposed to live differently. How many believe that's supposed to change the way you live? How many know if you met a hurricane, you wouldn't be the same after that? How many know if you met a, a, a tornado, you wouldn't be the same after that? And that's in a bad way, right? But if you meet God, so many, so many people say they meet God, but they're still the same. How did you meet the God of heaven and earth, but you don't talk different, you don't walk different, you don't act or live different, you don't treat your family or friends different? We are to have different kind of lives. Look at what it says in chapter 3. With that revelation, knowing that our great God and Savior appeared as grace, he's redeemed us by his cross, he's went to heaven, now we're waiting for him to come back, that we can rule and reign with him, be his people from all nations. Now notice what it says in this very next chapter and verse. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, just repeating the eager part, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, always to be gentle toward everyone. Do you know that during this conference, we had a retired police officer from Nevada speak to our youth Fridays, a Friday, and he taught the youth that they need to understand the authority of police officers, that when the police officers are asking them to do the things that are just and fair, they are to follow their instructions, and that they then are not to cause problems with the police officer and then blame what happens next on the police officer. Now, we are to understand that police officers held 
well are to be held accountable as well. We believe that, and we believe that we can passively resist any unjust law. But we are not to have the spirit of rebellion and disrespect towards authority. In other words, when the mayor was coming after us, so all the young people here look at me, when the mayor came after me, follow my example when they come after you. When the mayor came after me, I didn't cuss her out and say, this is my church, you blankety blank blank, and you know what, I don't respect you, and if you want to do, you know, I didn't come at her like that. I just said, I differ with you. I'm going to stand my ground, and if you want to come arrest me, you can, but I'm going to fight you in court. And so let's say, because I'm an advocate for young people being profiled or falsely arrested, trust me, I have the, the right resources for you. There's groups that we work with. If that is you, fight them in court. Don't start cussing at the police officer. Why did you pull me over? How dare you? What are you doing? I got my camera out, though the camera may be good to have out, but I got it out. You're going to let them know, put it in their face. Once again, does that give them the, the permission to do whatever they want? No, they need to be held by laws too. They should be under self-control. And if they can't have self-control, they shouldn't be in authority. But we were taught by our wonderful brother, Eric Meldrew, you can find him on Code Red Conversations YouTube, is that too often in this culture, we use our quote-unquote offense to become rude and disrespectful to leadership. And now it's getting to the point where everyone feels like they can just cuss out a police officer, cuss out people in authority, and have no respect and honor. But as Christians, we're supposed to respect and honor them. And if they're going to arrest us, and they're going to take us to jail because of our Christian faith, we're going to passively resist them and win the battle through being merciful and kind and truthful, not by being vulgar, disgusting, and violent. Amen? Because the Bible teaches us that, doesn't it? Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities. Let me ask you a question. Were they living in utopia here? Were they living in the world that Barney is president? They were living in a world where Rome was in charge. The Caesars, the centurions, the Roman army. And yet Paul was saying there is a way that you can get along with them and avoid the hassle that would come from your bad behavior. They speak about it in other letters. If you do get harassed, if you do get persecuted, if you do suffer, let it be for right doing. Let it be because you wanted to go to church during COVID, not a block party during COVID. Are you listening? Let it be because you wanted to preach the gospel, not cuss somebody out in front of the school. Let it be because you wanted to stand for your right to have freedom, not to be able to have your right to be debaucherous. You see, in our world, we're fighting for the wrong things. We're not standing up to what is really evil. We're really standing up to what is, uh, we're standing up for what is evil against what is good. When I see these young people protesting and burning down, uh, you know, their neighborhood and then stealing things out of Nike stores, I don't see them standing up for what is good. Because what is it you ultimately want out of this? What is it Che Guevara represents to them? Because I see them wearing Che Guevara shirts oftentimes and these socialist revolutionaries. What are they wanting? They're actually wanting the dismantleism of a Christian Tadeo society, and they want to bring in a secular society ruled by dictators. Now, they may say, Pastor, oh, you're painting this the wrong way. I, I don't want to be ruled by a dictator. But isn't it something that every time the revolutions happen in this modern age, as they dethrone uh, the parties that whatever their country had before them, the Che Guevara in Cuba, the, the leaders of Venezuela, the ones in China, the People's Revolution, isn't it something that it always turns out to dictatorship? Dictatorship. 
I'm not saying that America, America is the only way to run a country. I'm just saying is there is something that follows dictate or excuse me, something that follows socialism close behind, and it's called dictatorship. Because eventually you have to take people's freedoms to make them think the way you want them to think. You see, it's Christians that are saying, let's use Nini's Deli as an example, it is Christians that are saying, we're okay if you're a homosexual and still want to eat at Nini's Deli. How many think that's okay? But what the problem with them is, they don't want us to consider them a sinner while they eat at Nini's Deli because then they think we're being bigots to them. Do you notice how they change the definition of what is bigotry and what is racist? Racism and bigotry, ask any of our African-American brothers or sisters here, is to be told you can't eat at such and such a place. Not what you can believe. Not what you can have in your heart as a religious belief. It's whether or not you can drink at this fountain or be served at this restaurant. One of my great pastoral friends, Thomas Gross, remembers in New Orleans being served out of the side of buildings in the south because he couldn't go to the front door. That didn't, that didn't have anything to do with just a belief. That had to do with a belief resulting in someone's freedoms and rights being taken away. Once again, in Nini's Deli, for as long as homosexuals were attending, as long as Juan was there, he was a Christian. For the, almost the entire time Juan was running Nini's Deli, he believed homosexuality was a sin, including his own homosexuality. But did he ever refuse service? Did he ever treat anybody different, heterosexual, homosexual, transgender? No, but they came to him. They came to him and said, why don't you support us? We've been supporting you. And then he said to them, basically, I support you as a human and your right to flourish, but I don't support your sin. And that's when they felt they had the right to tear it down. See, that's the world that we live in. If they don't get their way, they want to tear it down. I had a friend that I met from Cuba, and he was explaining to me how Che Guevara, how Fidel Castro came to the country. At first, they came to the down and outers, those who didn't own the land, those who didn't have many good jobs, those that were struggling. And they be, uh, these, these revolutionaries began to talk to them and say, hey, wouldn't you like that farm? Wouldn't you like that, that uh, grocery store? Wouldn't you like that business? How about this? How about we all join together and get what they got and make them share it with us? And see, at that point, it was all about sharing. Somebody say sharing is caring. Sharing is caring until it becomes socialism, okay? Sharing is caring when it's volunteerism and it's voluntary. So they rounded up the young people to go to these businesses and shake them down and to get them to give it up. But they wouldn't do it. They said, these are the farms handed down to me from my family. And we've saved up and earned and worked hard to be here. If you want a farm, go work hard, save up your money, and buy a farm. If you want this grocery store, buy the, you know, the rights to have it here. But that wasn't good enough. So what did they begin to do? Out of the mentality of sharing is caring, imprison the farm owners. Start to kill them. And the man that I met from Cuba, he said one of his family members worked with Che Guevara when the revolution was there. And Che Guevara was one of the most wicked people around. They all feared him. Because if you didn't now submit your farm, your property, your livelihood to Che Guevara and Fidel Castro's way of doing things, they had no problem of killing you. They had no problem of taking the property and then distributing it however they wanted. And then what happened over time? You see what Cuba became. Now you're living, basically everyone living off of food stamps. 
people coming here from, from Cuba, swimming on rafts, doing whatever they can. Even Nini's Deli's grandfather was arrested for trying to kill the dictator and then mess with them, you know, the revolution after the revolution. And so today, we are needing to go back to these scriptures, are we not? What did I just do in this, what, five-minute detour called world history? I just showed you why it's important for us to do what is good. Because if we start rebelling and we start thinking we have a better way, we better uh, take a moment to think who we're marching with. Because they may draw you in as young people and as disenfranchised people and think, man, you better get what they got. You better take what Nike has. But my friends, you might be on the other side of that before you know it. You might be on the other side of that. So what we need to do is we need to change the culture from the inside out. When I was reading Martin Luther King Jr., he talked about why he did not choose the path of violent revolution. He was at one time intrigued by it, but then he was brought back over to peaceful resistance. You can read this in his writings. I'm not saying he was always a genuine Christian. Sometimes it looks like he's more of a universal Christian because he had uh, a lot to say about Mahatma Gandhi, not only just as a person, but I think in his religion. But, but what he understood was is that violence cannot change human hearts. And that's why he said things like, let no man bring you so low as to hate them. And so when we come to the scriptures at this time in history, and if someone brings up the American Revolution, I think there are times to fight the Civil War. I think there are times to fight World War I and II. We can talk about that later. But when it comes to Christians, our first and primary way of bringing social change through be, should be through peaceful submittance and resistance, transforming hearts and minds, not forcing people to become like us. Does everybody get that? That's why at any time, if you point to colonialism and call it Christianity, we disagree. If you point to the crusaders and call it Christianity, we disagree. That is not our method. Our method is to teach people to be transformed in their hearts. That's why every empire always falls. That's why every dynasty dies nasty. Are you listening to me? That's why every time you try to set things up, in a man-controlled way, using religion as your, whippings, uh, your, your whip, it will always backfire. I do not believe we are to be theonomists to control the state through our Bible. I do not believe in that, uh, in that show that everybody thinks I, I believe in when, I, when I'm out uh, pre preaching against abortion, which is uh, the, the people wearing red and the white hats. What are those, uh, what's that show called? Now everybody doesn't know what I'm talking about. Handmaiden's Tale, thank you where the religious right owned the world and they divided. and so, No, we don't want that. I don't, listen, I don't want the handmaiden's tale. Are you listening? What I want is a fair government and a fair place. And I, when I say I, I think from the scriptures where we can freely serve the Lord and have godly authorities. How many believe we should do that? to be obedient, to do whatever is good. So let's, let's raise up godly aldermen. Let's raise up godly police chiefs. Let's raise up godly presidents of the school board and over our school systems. Let's invade these places, as the Bible says, as yeast, and begin to work our way through them because we are world changers, history makers. We're able to bring change there. We don't just run away from the society. We come into the society and we transform it. And so when you think about this, everybody get this. Did it work for the Christians? Yes. After 300 years, Rome bowed its knees to Jesus Christ. A few hundred years, the Roman Catholic Church was born, and then the sins began again in a different way. But think about this. The humble beginnings of Christians. Paul is teaching now somewhere around 50 or 60 A.D., 
Jesus has already been crucified, ascended to heaven. Martyrs are being killed all throughout the Roman Empire. Christians are scattering around the world, some going to other nations, not faring much better. Thomas, doubting Thomas, known as that in the scripture, goes to India, gets speared to death. Others are going to different people groups, also being martyred. So the world is at odds with Christianity. And yet Paul, in the midst of that, based on the revelation of Jesus being God and Savior, he says, submit to rulers and authorities. Be obedient. Don't be known as rebels. Don't be known as those who are causing trouble. Don't be known as those who are disrespectful. And then this is what I would just say before I move on, this one last illustration, is oftentimes people of color come to our church, African-American, Latino, and they say, Pastor, you don't understand because when the police stop you, they treat you differently. And I would agree. I would 100% agree. I've been around my uh, gente, the people of this church, long enough to know that when you get profiled and I'm with you, I get profiled too. I'm either the sex trafficker, the drug dealer, or something going on, because I'm telling you, I don't get treated nicely either. I just told a story in the first service about how I got profiled taking an African-American home, and then they checked on my license, and I had an unpaid ticket because a, a check got lost. Thankfully, it got cleared, but I got arrested that night. There's been other times where I've been coming home to my own house on Lawndale and Potomac, and I've gotten profiled by unmarked cars telling me to get right out my house, being asked, drilled, you know, with a flashlight in my eye, what's my address? And I get it. I, I mean, I don't get the whole perspective, but I'm saying I get the understanding you may get treated different than me in these neighborhoods. But I want to ask you something. Do you have a different Bible than me? Do you have a different Jesus than me? Do you have a different standard than me? So why not try it God's way? Why not give them nothing bad to say about you? If there are cops who are hardened in their heart and see people of color as a certain nuisance, why not change their perspective? Why not be like those who went out to the Birmingham Bridge to protest where they came dressed and nice and respectful and when that southern policeman, that wicked man that he was, you know, spilled out his vileness from his heart, you stand in dignity and integrity and shut them down by your good works. Let your love and your good overcome their evil and their hate. Why not change the way we see it until every person can see they're the ones that are in hate, they are the ones that are wicked, because our cultures, our communities, don't give them a chance to say, good, uh, say evil of our good. The Bible says be above reproach. Don't let people say evil things about your good. Live in such a way that they have to give glory to God the Father. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one. And I want everyone to get this. I do not like uh, President Biden's policies. I don't like Kamala Harris's policies. But I'm not sure they're drinking people's blood today. Does everybody understand that? I'm not sure that there's a pedophile ring. Why is it, Christians, we have become so quick on the Internet to believe everything about the political leaders we don't want, and we don't think that's slander? It's slander if it's towards a political leader. It's slander towards a governor. It's slander towards your friend. We as Christians who believe in God as our, uh, Jesus as our great God and Savior should not be slandering politicians based on false conspiracies. We shouldn't be looking to try to make ourselves better by slandering others. I'm not here to slander people to make Christianity look good. If I'm going to talk about Islam, I'm going to tell the truth about Islam because Islam will look bad all by itself. I don't have to lie about Islam. All I have to do is tell the truth about Islam and then the truth of Christ, and you'll see which one is the dung and which one is the great glory of God. 
Are you listening to me? I don't have to lie about homosexuality. I don't believe every homosexual is a child molester. You, you understand my point? And we in the church need to get away from slandering to try to win an argument. Slandering is not God's way of winning an argument. Homosexuality is a sin in and of itself. Though the Bible considers it a perversion, like other perversions, bestiality and, you know, pedophilia, yes, those are other perversions. We know that homosexuality on its own may not lead to pedophilia or may not lead to bestiality, but on its own, it is enough to be condemned and, and damned in the Bible. And we love homosexuals. We love all those of whatever per perversion they may have, but they must stop their sin. And so I don't want to see slander in the church. If Jesus is our great God and Savior, if the grace of God is I had you shouted out, has appeared to how many people? All people, and it's teaching all of us to say no, then why are we using slander as a method? Why are we using rebellion as a method? It's like, oh, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to smoke weed and be a good Christian. You don't use worldly methods to calm yourself down in that way, you know? I'm going to use weed to be more calm and chill. No, use the Holy Spirit, amen? Well, I'm going to use these poles as stripper poles so I can get more young people into the church, some more young men. We don't use worldly methods to change the world. Are you listening to me? Oh, yeah, we got a lot of young men here, but they're here for the wrong reasons. Jordan, come on, man. Look at Jordan falling out back there. He's like, he just said stripper poles about his poles. Yes, because that's how I think in the world. I mean, that's how I, I, I think the world is right now. We're going to use the world's method to bring more people to justice or bring more people to God. No, stupid is as stupid does. If you use sinful methods, you're going to get sinful results. We don't use rebellion. We don't use slander. We don't use wickedness. We don't use weed. I know there's such thing as medical marijuana, but you know what I'm talking about. Like Snoop Dogg, he don't need it, but he smokes it a lot, right? I mean, come on, saints. Do we not have an answer or do we not have? I mean, this is the answer, is it not? Help us, Lord. Help us to do what is good because we have a great God and Savior. Be peaceable, be considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. Now look at verse 3 and then look at your neighbor and say, he's going to be talking about you right here. Look at your neighbor and say, this is going to be about you right here. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. How many used to be a fool? Come on, now we fools for Christ, but you know what kind of fool I'm talking about. Disobedient, deceived. Oh, no, God won't judge me. No, you were deceived. You know, oh, I could stop any time. No, you're enslaved to your passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. How, how, how many know this sums up Chicago traffic? Hating and being hated. <laughs> You're either one or the other, right? You're hating or you're being hated in Chicago traffic. That's the, that's the way our lives were described. Well, everyone can relate to this. But somebody say, but God. Amen. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Hallelujah. He saved us from foolishness, disobedience, deception, enslavement. He saved us from malice and envy and jealousy and hatred. He saved us. That's why I love what Leonard Ravenhill used to say. If, if somebody says they're saved, ask them what they're saved from. Because I don't know. I can't tell yet, right? 
Are you saved from that attitude? Are you saved from your way of living? He saved us. Not because of the right things or righteous things we had done, but because of his what? His mercy. Thank you. He saved us through the washing of rebirth. Anybody here have been born again? And the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Vinny, would you come in closing, please? I just want to encourage us today to know Jesus as our great God and Savior. He'll transform your life. You'll never be the same again. You and I may have problems that we have to overcome. That's why I tried to bring it to the real world. You know, I, I use business examples at different times on your job. You've heard those. I also use examples of family and marriage. But today, I just wanted to remind us again, in the world that seems to be going crazy, when we turn on the news and we don't know who to trust, trust Jesus. Amen? Don't use the worldly methods and expect a godly result. I want to see more people, and I, I think I can speak for Pastor DS, and I believe I can speak for Evangelist Ricky and Evangelist Jordan, that we want to see more people giving their time and attention to this than they do to Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, even some of these things like Christian rap and all of this. Like, I get it. Those things are fun. But I want to see young people sold out to this. And moms and dads, I want to speak to you as well. I want to see you more committed to this than Fox News, than, you know, than Alex Jones and whatever you're on now, Noah, Trevor, whatever show you think is cool to watch. Adults, we need to, we need to spend more time here because I don't think we have this yet. I don't think we've spent enough time understanding this yet. Even myself preaching it to you today, I'm convicted by it again. Like how often do I apply this in my times of stress and turmoil because it's so much more easier to be upset. It's so much more easier just to slander. You know, like for example, when I go and visit other cities and I take an Uber somewhere and I say I'm from Chicago, do you know most of the time they say to me, they say, I feel sorry for you. I don't know if you've ever traveled out and they've said that to you. I don't know if I just look like the guy you want to say that to, but I hear it all the time, you know? They say it to me all the time, man, I feel sorry for you. This seems so crazy over there. I see you guys on the news. And so often, I'll be honest, I'm tired. I just want to allow that slander to go and just move on. But it is slander because they don't know everybody in Chicago, do they? And I have to stop them so often and go, hey, you know what? Not everybody's like what you see on the news. There's a lot of good people in Chicago. God is doing a lot of great things in Chicago. You see, even though sometimes it feels easier to let these things slide by, you and I need to be convicted to, to say no to ungodliness because just getting that Uber driver to agree with me in the car, that doesn't change anything, and God knows I should have spoke up. You might be on your job, and, and you hear things, you know, that you know are untrue. you got to speak up and say something. You've got to defend the Christian worldview. You and I are the hope for the church. The church... If it's just bricks, we're hopeless. Does everybody get it? If this is just the church, what is this, what is this brick going to do to change this community today? Do you know that Wednesday there was a, a situation involving gangs and a, a gun, and one of the gang members was being chased by the police and threw out his gun right in front of our church, almost hit one of our children, a gun? Does this brick stop that from happening? No, but somebody needs to reach them. 
Somebody needs to go talk to that gangbanger. If you're in this church and you used to be in a gang, raise your hand. Come on, somebody got saved from gangs. Look at some of the gang members that got saved. How many believe we need to see more gangbangers saved? And it's not going to happen just because they went to a place called church. It's going to happen because you went out and spread the message of our great God and Savior who appeared for all people. I was out preaching just this past, uh, you know, yesterday at the west side, and I met another church out there, and we were beginning to share our testimonies one with another, and we began to realize that we're one of the only ones doing it. On the way there, we passed so many churches. But where are the rest of the churches? Could you imagine just in this area, just in this three-mile area, if every single church adopted a block and said once a week for a few hours, we're going to stand on that block and preach and pray and reach out to moms, help the homeless, uh, guard a gun for the police to pick up because a gangbanger just threw it out. We're going to do the right things. Do you think these blocks would look the same? What if every Christian that was on your job said, you know what, once a week I want to meet with all the other Christians at a lunch hour, pray for this job, hold each other accountable to not compete with jealousy or slander or envy, but to do the right thing here and for each other. How many think that job would change? I mean, it's just common sense. It's the thing that Christians have been saying forever. But the, but the devil came and deceived us to think there was another way. And I know it made you all laugh, but honestly, isn't this other way just the same as trying to bring stripper poles in the church? I never needed BLM to tell me black lives matter. I already knew here black lives matter. Are you listening to me? I already knew here because if I was a Christian, then I knew there was one race, the human race. If they feel they have to do the church's job, then shame on the church. We didn't need the world to tell us to change bodies like Mr. Potato Head to heal the hearts, to call it transgenderism. The Bible says the heart can change and you'll become a new creation. Jenner doesn't need to play Mr. Potato Head with surgical knives. Jenner needs to have his heart and mind change. Save him a lot of money. And he can use the bathroom standing up as God intended him to. Are you listening? I'm just being honest with you. you you're, you're, you're breaking things that are fixed. He told us how to heal minds. That's why, I'll just be honest, that's why I talk to transgenders. I have so much compassion. But I say to them, and I want to draw it out, I say, what would you rather me do if I'm talking to a woman that feels she a man? Think about it. You want me to cut off your breasts that are healthy, made to nurture a child? Do you want me to take out your organs on the inside? Do you want me to take pieces of plastic and begin to form them into a man's part? Do you want me to flood you with so much hormones that now your voice drops an octave? All for what? That now you can play Halloween every day of the week? Why not save you from being cut up? Why not save you from inserting plastic into you? Why not save you from having injections in your life every day of things that don't belong at those levels? And give you shalom, peace, where you can understand why you have this and why God made you that way. It's not a tumor. They compare it to it. It feels like it's a tumor. It's not. This is your body fearfully and wonderfully made, and we will stay with you and pray with you and encourage you until you know 
There is shalom here. There is wholeness here that chemicals and cutting and inserting plastic will never give. But yet I'm the hate monger. Cut them up. Insert plastic. Inject them with chemicals. That's love. Justice looks like burning down a city. Do you know why? Because they don't know that grace has appeared. They don't know that Jesus appeared. They don't know that there's a better way, somebody. And you and I have got to go out into this world and show them the grace of Jesus Christ. If you want to do that, would you stand up and give our great God and Savior Jesus a hand clap of praise and say, send me, Lord. Come on. Amen. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Thank you for your time and patience today. I'm going to ask that um, Ricky and DS would be here as part of our altar team. If you have any things going on in your life, they would love to pray with you as well. And if Ricky's wife feels comfortable, just DS, yeah, come stand up here. And if you want to talk to them, you can as well. How many were blessed throughout this conference? Jesus is God. Amen. Got some good knowledge and some good transformation out there. We transformed lives by God's grace. Let's pray. Father, I ask that if anyone here does not know you yet, that they would repent of their sins to accept you as their great God and Savior. If you've already accepted Christ as your great God and Savior, would you just thank him? And for those who need to accept him, would you just start right now? You can come up for prayer even as I talk. But even just where you're at, you can do it. Just say, Jesus, forgive me. I declare you're the Lord of my life. You're the God of my life. Transform me, change me so that I might live like you. You appeared so that I can change. You appeared that I could be renewed, reborn. A few moments right now, we're just praying for everyone to know Jesus. If you already do, check your heart. Some of you might be here as a Christian, but there are things that are not right. And the Bible says those need to be renewed into the image of God. Don't settle for slander. If you've been guilty of that, repent even now. Don't settle for bitterness, envy, hating and being hated. Today, make a decision to live for Jesus, as even some are doing now for the first time. In a few moments, we'll dismiss with worship and prayer. And any need you have, please feel free to come up here. We want to pray on you, love on you. If you are struggling with any of the things we talked about today, please feel free to come up. No one here wants to mock you or put you down. We want to serve you. We want to love you. And we want to do so with truth, with grace. By the Spirit of God, a few moments right now. We're just going to say out His name, Yahshua, as we started this service. We're going to end this service worshiping Him, and then we'll dismiss. Lord, we thank You for Your power of transformation. If you need prayer, just come on up now. Our prayer workers are here for you. Today, we glorify You, Jesus. I pray I'll apply this message more than I've ever before. I pray that God today... I'll see your kingdom come and your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Yahshua means Yahweh saves. That name was a popular name. It started around the time of Joshua with Moses. But Jesus is the fullness of that name. He is our Savior. Would you sing it out to him today? That you love him. You're not double-minded. You don't have two masters. You're serving the one master, Yahweh, through the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yahshua is Lord. 
Jesus is Lord. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Today, make Jesus the center of your life. Let the Son of God be the Son of your life. Revolve everything around him today. Yes, Lord. We thank you, God, for those who are up here now. May we all know and love you, Jesus. All of our hearts.